Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. Welcome to RealMentorsRadio.com. Troy Dooley here, and I'm excited about today's show. This will be the last show here in Destin for the week. We fly out today. We will be re- doing it live from Vegas for Thursday and Friday's radio show. It's going to be awesome. Hey, a quick prayer I want you guys to lift up. Uh, The folks in Branson, Missouri, a tornado came through there yesterday, uh, killing at least one person, injuring 13. The reason I bring this up is because Branson actually sets the old town of Branson in a valley next to a river. Uh, It's in the Ozark Mountains. You usually do not have tornadoes go through that area whatsoever. They were unprepared. This was a a mobile home trailer park that got devastated. Let's just keep those folks in the prayers uh, today as we move forward. The Little Red Book of Wisdom, Mark DeMoss, great guy. Today we're going to talk about, uh, well, we're going to talk about something that's going to show my faith more than anything. Um, And the reason that is because that's the way Mark wrote this chapter. So if you're hanging with us, you're listening, If you get turned off, so be it. It's our radio show, so you're going to hear some things today. But what I want you to take away from this is that if you'll stick through the the whole 30 minutes, you're going to find that some of the greatest men and women in history have believed the same things that Mark's talking about here, and some of them weren't what we call churchgoers. So just listen up. Here's, Here's great. Here's how he opens it. He says, I feel it is far better to begin with God, to see his face first, to get my soul near him, before it is near another. That's from Ian E. M. Bounds, an author and a great person. A lot of people these days want to talk about God. I've seen some rappers who've got some just atrocious language in their songs give God credit when they get an award. And at first I thought how sacrilegious this might be until I realized that deep down inside of us, I believe all of us, even those that claim they don't, realize there's somebody, some spirit, some entity, whatever you want to call it. I call him God. And I use the he version because I grew up in traditional church, and it's all about he. That's what the Bible says. So that's just the way I go with it, although it's a spirit. Well, I'm, I'm reneging. Never mind. Listen, here's the deal. If some of the most bizarre people under the sun go to God, why aren't you? Why aren't you going first? I don't care if you call it the the universe. I don't care what you do. That's between you and your, your Savior. But here's the kicker. The title of this chapter is The Wisdom of First, the first hour, the first day, the first dime. If there's some secret law of the universe that is recorded in the Bible, and it has to do with firsts, and you want to see your dream, your passion, your your mission fulfilled, then listen up. Mark starts this chapter off. He says, The most successful man I've ever known was my father, Arthur S. DeMoss. Aside from my own estimation of him, his innovations in direct response marketing of individual life and health insurance launched the National Liberty Corporation and its five companies and subsidiaries. The little business he started as his kitchen table was when he died 20 years later, the largest mass marketer of individual life insurance, life and health insurance in the world. One man, one dream, created an industry that launched such companies as Primerica Financial Services. 
To what did my dad attribute his success? There was enough people that asked him that that eventually he wrote it all down and titled a little booklet, God's Secret of Success. Now, a lot of times, if you've listened to us on the radio show, you've heard me talk about the difference between being a hero and a legend. Art DeMoss wasn't just his son's hero. He was a legend, and here's why I say that. Since his death, that descriptive small little treasure, just a vest-sized little booklet, has played large in lives around the world. See, when Art DeMoss passed away, he left the bulk of his, his financial legacy to the Art DeMoss Foundation with one objective, to help people around the globe understand the truth about God's success. See, this is interesting to me because even men like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett who don't believe the way I do and they profess that understand that giving to others, giving firsts is what it's about. The first thing that Art did, he gave the first hour of the day to God. Mark writes this, My father believed the gate to success swung open in the morning. In the day's uncluttered hours, when he talked to God through prayer and listened to God as he read the Bible, I start my days off focused on what God would have in my life. And and you know what? I'm not one of these uh, super spiritual. Matter of fact, there throughout the day, I'll stub my toe, fit my finger, and I, I would say some creative language. But here's the kicker. What I do know is that every day when I start my day off praying that God give me wisdom that I can share to help others succeed. That he give me wisdom in knowing what I'm supposed to be doing in life as a husband, as a father, as a businessman, as a consultant, as a consulary to other people. That it works. In those days when I don't give him the time, my days get to be a clustered mess. I mean, it's just convoluted as all get out. So we must. Focus on that. Maybe it's walking the beach. See, so many times people just want to open their mouth and keep talking. Man, I I was praying to God all morning long. He never spoke to me. They never shut up. I mean, think about this. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a step on your toes. But have you ever gone to Thanksgiving dinner? And bar none, Grandpa's going to pray or Grandma's going to pray, and thirty minutes later they're still praying thanking God for everything and the turkey's getting cold? You can't hear God if all you're ever doing is doing the talking. you got to stop and listen, whether that's reading the Bible, whether it's reading the Little Red Book of Wisdom. I don't care how you do it. You better relax and listen to what God has to say to you. The great 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon Hey, I'll give you a little tidbit. You know that he used to take a stogie up on the, the pulpit when he got ready to preach, and he'd sit, set it there on the wood, and they got little burn marks where his stogie was. Kind of weird for a Baptist preacher. But listen to this. The great 19th century British preacher Charles Spurgeon believed that only a fool would fail to post a guard on the gate of the day. Here's what he said. It should be our rule never to see the face of men 
before seeing the face of God. Now, some of you may be tuning in for the first time saying, man, I didn't know this guy was like some spiritual, going to talk to me about God all the time, and we don't. But I believe that you don't hide something either. If you can't be authentic and let people know and you can't be tolerant of that, then we got issues. See, I really do try to spread my life out there so people can see and understand that I'm not perfect. I'm not one of these Christian dudes that thinks he has all the answers. I just know that after doing some investigative research for a long time, growing up in church and seeing all these super-duper dudes fail, screw around, steal from the church, steal from people, I got really sick and tired of the God thing. And one day I was sitting in a position in my life with a fifth of tequila in front of me when I realized, you know what, I need to really search this thing out. If if what I've heard all my life is true, and there really is a God, and he really did send his son, and the only way I can get to heaven is, is to accept the grace of his son, then I better check this thing out. And I did that. And I'm I'm dead set in my belief in my faith. You can go check it out yourself or or, or not. It's up to you. Eventually, one day, we'll both die, and we'll figure out which one of us is right. But until then, I'm going to keep doing this radio show. And when I read this chapter, it, it hit me hard that we need to be giving our firsts to God. See, now, some of you may say, well, do I have to do it in the mornings, Troy? No. I guess I guess you could do it at lunch if you don't have anything that gets in your way, or you could do it at bed. For that matter, I mean, I guess you you can do it whenever you want to do it. But Mark writes this, and it makes sense. He says, the morning watch anchors the soul so that it it will not very readily drift away during the day. He says, he who rushes from his bed to his business without first spending time with God is as foolish as though he had not washed or dressed and as unwise as one dashing to battle without any weapons. See, what if what if just hanging out with God for a little bit, maybe you don't even do the whole hour of a day, maybe you just start out, you know, five minutes. What if that made a big difference? Mark was only 17 years old when his dad passed away, and yet this permeated in his mind. And you know, today is a man, a father of three, a business owner, a husband, a well-sought-out consultant, he still starts his day off that way second thing they cover is the first day of the week he said along the same principle art demos also believed in practicing giving back to god the first day of the week now i'm not going to get into semantics i don't care if you think the first day of the week is is saturday or sunday or monday but if you were to take one day a week and say no work if you do it the old jewish way, the Hebrew way, then I believe it was like sundown to sun up or sun up to sundown, something like that. I'm not the theologian. And what I do on my Sundays is from from about six o'clock in the morning to about four or five in the afternoon, I don't I don't even focus on work at all. Most of the time I'm hanging by the pool, reading a good western. I might be reading a, a book on on pioneering 
I, love, I got a magazine called Pioneer, and I just love it. It's how to live, how to live just simple life, you know, living off the grid. And I'm not, I'm not some green phobio. I just love, I love the old days. I love the simplicity of life. I also like hot, spicy food. I'm married a hot, spicy woman, but I love hot, spicy food. So I've got a magazine I'll read on Sundays called Chili Peppers. I love barbecue, so I just chill out. I just relax. I'll play with the kids. We hang out at the pool. Paige and I will go for a drive sometimes. Just time to chill. When I'm at the pool, I just want to listen to God. Now, everybody's different. So like I said, you might do something. Sometimes Paige and I just go four-wheeling. We get back in the woods. I can't tell you everything goes on, but we get back in the woods, and, and she takes pictures, and we walk around, and we four-wheel. We just have fun. Maybe you need to slow down. Maybe you're not into the God thing, but how about just taking a day off and chilling? Do you realize Americans work more than anybody else, and we don't make that much more money, to be quite honest? I mean, if you look at the European people, the French, the, the English, the Australian folks, they chill out. They know how to relax. Maybe you need to relax. Listen to what Mark writes here. Just in turn, and this was nuts. I want you. I mean, this is just crazy. But here's what he says: If we don't want to listen and take notice about taking time off, then we may end up agreeing with the America, one of America's richest men, Bill Gates, who says this. Just in terms of allocation of time resources, religion is not very efficient. There is more I could do or I could be on any given Sunday morning than going to church. Some people believe that. And I don't even know if you've got to go to church. I guess we could debate that on a whole different show. But I do think you need to hang out and grow. Maybe you're a humanist and you're saying, dude, I'm not into this. Or an atheist, you say, I don't, I don't give a rip about this. Okay, but in your own belief system, aren't you supposed to be growing personally? Maybe you're into the law of attraction. Then shouldn't you slow down and get connected with the universe? See, in almost every major religion, in almost every major philosophy, there is a day of rest just like there's a golden rule. Mark and I just happen to be on the same page with our faith, so I understand what he's writing, but maybe you need to do this. Stop and smell the roses. See, Mark writes this, and this is where I'm going with this. Who can deny that a day of rest benefits our minds, our body, our work, and our personal relationships? And that's what I'm getting at. Now, some of you say, Troy, I'd lose too much money. Well, you can't lose as much money as Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, who Forbes estimates costs the business $500 million a year because they won't open on Sunday. And when they asked Mr. Mr. Cathy, why won't you open on Sunday, he said, dude, it's a loyalty issue. God gave me a gift of eternal life. And to show my loyalty to him, I'm shutting down my doors on Sunday. I've been doing it since my brother and I opened our first business, and my kids have made a commitment to me that when I'm dead and gone and they're running the show, they'll still stay closed on Sunday. That's one of the reasons 
that Chick-fil-A is the largest privately held fast food chain in the world, doing over a billion dollars a year. Only private fast food chain that does that kind of money. You want to know another little tidbit? There are small businesses in shopping malls across the nation that because Mr. Kathy holds true to his loyalty and he shuts down on Sundays, those businesses stay in business because they make up on Sunday what they lose to his restaurants during the week. Now, I'd say that's a good giver because he's given back to people without even directly wanting to be a part of it. See, this is what it's all about. It's not about checking out the emails. It's not about going from sun up to sun down. Like I told you, I go from about 6 in the morning till 5 at night. And then I get on and check out and see what I'm going to be doing the next day. But at least you can focus on that. You can move it forward. It's funny, because I didn't think about this until Mark brought it up, but of the Ten Commandments, they're all about four or five sentences long. Don't kill, don't screw the neighbor's wife, don't be jealous, don't be envious, don't kill your brother when he's an idiot, stuff like that. But you know, when God got to the one that says, keep my day holy, there's 94 words. Now, it depends on the on the translation you're using. But let me use the translation that Mark uses right here from the Message Bible. He says, God himself offers promises to those who honor his day. He says, if you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day, as a celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestors, Jacob. Yes, God says so. That's in Isaiah 58, 13 through 14. If God is telling us, I will bless you if you'll make my day holy, dadgummit, then it would make sense that we should maybe... Take him up on it. The third first that Art DeMoss used was the first dime of every dollar. This is great. It says, now for the success secret so personal and unfortunately so misapplied that some people might consider it poor taste to bring it up, my father also gave God the first part of every dollar. It may surprise you to hear that his concept known as tithing was not invented by modern televangelists. Tithing is at least as old as the early Old Testament. Jesus later endorsed it as an act of love, and certainly a gift of our resources is regular and potent is a regular and potent reminder of the source of what we have. One of my my mentors and and buddies, Dave Ram, uh, Dave Ramsey. He doesn't just give money to the church or give money to the people. He set up a foundation. They put their tithe in that foundation, and then they pray, and they seek out. And they give money to their church, but they give money elsewhere too. See, I'm not one of these. Well, I'm not a preacher, so it's probably why I feel this way. I don't think that you need to worry about how much you give as much as you just need to give. See, sometimes we're dead, busted, broke. And and so we don't have that money, but just the money that we make is enough for us to pay our bills, especially in the economy that it is today. But but is not your time worth money? 
So see, if you'll give your time if you don't have the money, then you're tithing. There's many times in my life that I have not been able to afford even the dime out of every dollar. But I knew I could show up and help a church set up. I could volunteer for Sunday school. I could, well, I didn't. My daddy drove a bus. There's always something that you can do. And I can tell you it, it's paid off. We don't We don't live an extraordinary rich life, but we live on an island that other people dream about two weeks out of the year. It really is a cool thing. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crop, King Solomon urged. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim with new wine. Now, I'm not one of these guys that says, if you give to God, he's going to give you back hundreds of fold. Just pr- matter of fact, sow it into my radio show. Okay, I'm not doing that. I'm telling you, what if you just stuck your toe in the water? we got a thing at our church because we're, like, really weird. So we have the 90-day challenge. I know some of you networkers have heard of the Vaisalus 90-day challenge or the or the Evolves E84-day challenge. But we have a 90-day challenge, and we tell people, you come sign up on our website. And you start giving tithe. And we don't tell them, give 10% of your money. What we do is we tell them, give what your heart says to give. And at the end of 90 days, see how your life has changed. See where your blessings have come into your life that you never expected. And it's amazing the little stories that we hear. Not necessarily like the proverb here where your vats are overflowing. But truly, we've seen changes in people's lives financially, spiritually, and and, and even in personal relationships. See, it's interesting that we such small things and we want to balk at them all the time. Mark writes this, for whatever reason, even most churchgoers overlook or intentionally avoid the wise principle of giving. Of the Americans who donate to their church, only 3 to 5% actually give a tenth of their income. A second irony is that we humans tend to give more freely when we have less to hold on to. I'll even take it further. I would say that most people give more to their waiter or waitresses than they do to God. They spend more in interest on credit cards every year, giving it to to loan companies than they do to God. It's interesting. Mark gives another statistic. He says, among the members of 11 primary Protestant denominations in the U.S. and Canada, people gave smaller percentages of their income in 2000, an average of 2.6%, than in 1993 during the Great Depression at 3.3%. Now contrast that, I told you I was going to talk about rich folks. Contrast that to John D. Rockefeller, the founder of Standard Oil, who died in 1937. In his lifetime, one of the world's richest business barons gave away in today's dollars $5 billion to others. Here's his story as we close out today. I had begun work as a small boy to support my mother. My first wages amounted to a dollar fifty a week. The first week after I went to work, I took the dollar fifty home to my mom. She held it in her lap and explained to me that she would be happy if I would give a tenth of it to the Lord. I did, 
And from that week until this day, I have tithed every dollar God has entrusted in me. And I want to say that if if I had not tithed the first dollar I made, I would not have tithed the first million dollars I made. Mark says the bottom line is that a giver cannot outgive God. John D. Rockefeller wasn't the only one. J.C. Penney's felt so inclined that he gave away 50% to every, everything he made to God. See, it, it's interesting. In today's world, it's take, 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 take. In the old days, when we were building this nation, it was give, give, give. Art DeMoss's little book, God's Secret of Success, goes on to endorse putting God first in our habits, in our homes. See, the pattern is clear. Success is the byproducts of the first things taking priority. And you can't know this for yourself until you try it. You can't say, Troy, you're so full of crap. I wasted 30 minutes on your radio show. You don't know that. Same time, you can't say, Troy, you're a rock, you're a stud. You, you, what you say is true. Only my mama can get away with that. So you don't know until you do it. So I challenge you today. Just do it and do it and do it and do it until you see the fruits, till you see the success, till you start to realize it's working. That's my challenge to you today. Folks, tune in tomorrow. I will be live from the East Side Cannery in Las Vegas, Nevada at the Association of Network Marketing Professionals annual conference. And we're going to have a fun show. It's going to be about a turtle on a fence post. Now listen, it's going to be about appreciating how you got where you are today. It's going to be powerful. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back with us tomorrow for RealMentorsRadio.com.